This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Jeff Embercrombie across the other way with me. Jeff, college football, the real opening week is literally concluding as we are recording this podcast. Clemson, Georgia Tech. It has been a whirlwind couple of days for college football, for prospect talk. Uh, How are you doing this evening, my friend? Yeah, uh, I'm doing great. You know, Monday's holiday Monday, and so I actually got some chance to – get into the film when uh i wasn't chasing neely around the <laughs> the <laughs> living room um so that was kind of great too and and yeah we've already got storylines developing um so so there's there's a lot to get into um you know and, and just as a as a teaser to make for a great college football season it sounds like yeah and normally during the season shows we will have it structured as talking about draft eligible prospects and uh we'll quick hit on Debbie Slant talking about some underclassmen prospects. And then we close out with the NFL rookie report talking about, you know, rookies that really, you know, things that stood out. And then, you know, like the dynasty report also where, you know, anybody in the NFL, right. That's kind of our season thing where we can talk about anybody in the dynasty report, NFL rookie report, but tonight it's just the college guys. So we're going to, we're going to rapid fire hitting on a lot of guys tonight. And I think we got to start the quarterback position with a guy who, I was very high on, and I didn't know how he was going to look first game against Utah, you know, Florida versus number seven, Utah, and Anthony Richardson passed with flying colors. Yes, he was efficient, I think is the best way to put it in terms of his passing, 17 of 24, 168 yards, nothing gaudy, but he showed some touch throws, he showed some anticipatory throws, he showed some ability to go through progressions, things that we want to see develop and grow this year. And then the special wild card, 106 yards rushing, three touchdowns, that playmaker ability. I think right now, I know it might be hyperbola, but I was already high on him. If you're running in the Devi circles, I'm not sure. I would I would go get him right now because I think right now, I think his stock is only going to continue to soar. And I think you should make the case that he could already be QB1 in Devi circles because he might not be a better quarterback than CJ Stroud or Bryce Young, and maybe the NFL doesn't think so next April. But I think he's on the trajectory of being round one. I think he could push those guys to be the first quarterback taken. But that X factor of the running ability, to me, I would have him. I moved him up today. The rankings notebook, it's live breathing document. I moved him up to number one in my Devi rankings at the quarterback position because I want in on him now. I saw a lot that I really liked uh, from Richardson in this game versus Utah, and the ceiling is so much higher. There's so much he's still got to work on. Jeff, any quick thoughts? Because the quarterback show you weren't able to join me with uh, about Richardson and what you saw either from him this week or just the skill set that makes him such an intriguing prospect. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about traits, I think everything's there. And, and there's a lot of reason to get excited about traits. And I think my one caution and it's not, this isn't a knock or, or to say that, you know, Richardson doesn't have it. But, you know, I think traits are not even half the equation, right? And, uh, and you know, I think there's a long way to go for Richardson to actually put himself into a conversation, I in my eyes, um, 
with with Stroud and Young. And and that's not to say like I don't think his trajectory is gonna get there because I think you're right. If you if if you like getting him on your Debbie squad, making a move to buy in on Richardson now, if you can, is the right move to make for your, you know, for your Debbie squads for fantasy, because you're looking for upside. You're looking for a guy who can be the top quarterback taken and you're not gonna have to pay the you know that that price and yeah it's a gamble but you know you want the upside um so um this has nothing to do with like uh an argument against you know the excitement you know the buildup of of you know richardson and his his run to this 2023 nfl draft i just think there's going to be a lot of way to go. Like I, I saw the plays, right. You know, you, you see the, the, the pump fake, <laughs> the ball fake and, and just the ability to evade pressure and then hit a, hit a corner of the end zone shot. Like that's amazing. Um, that's also, that's also not what 99% of quarterbacking is. Um, and, and so the other 99% has to be there. But when you talk about who has to be able to play, as an NFL player, you're talking about the 99.9%, the elite, um, the elite of the elite are the, the ones that succeed at the NFL level. And you need to be able to make the type of plays that you saw on film right there on the highlight, on that highlight film. So that's what I think is getting people excited um, and buying in and saying, hey, this guy's, you've got to pay attention. I, I don't know if I would say this guy's the real deal. I'd say you've got to pay attention now because if if a lot of those other pieces start being put together, not everybody can do that. But if if they are, his ceiling is monumental. Yeah, and then, and the thing is, unlike a guy like Malik Willis where we didn't get really a chance to see too much against better level competition, we're going to get a chance, right? You know, it started with Utah, very good team. He's going to have to run through the SEC gauntlet. Next week it's Kentucky, I believe, and, and you know, him versus Will Levis is going to draw a lot of, you know, attention because they're two of the guys who are being talked about as two of the top quarterbacks in that 2023 class after CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. So it's going to be fun to watch it and it's really we already knows that we already know the things that he can do that are special the athleticism the playmaking ability but it's going to be week to week checking in on the the maturity and development of the quarterbacking what you were just talking about going through progressions reading coverages throwing with touch and anticipation i mean because if he puts if he starts to put that on top of the athleticism i mean then we're talking about a really really you know extreme like rare outlier in terms of a guy who who puts that all together usually we have one extreme or the other you know really good athleticism and stuff like all the things that we liked about Malik Willis but there was so much uncertainty you know and even even Lamar Jackson way back when right like there was there was lots to his game but you know I think Richardson I I kind of said he's part Cam Newton part Dante Culpepper you know part Josh Allen, Wyoming, like there's, there's a lot, all those guys that I just mentioned too, there were lots of question marks about, about them translating to the NFL game. So it's going to be interesting to follow that. Uh, we kind of mentioned there, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young, Bryce Young kind of got Alabama going, not a big surprise. I don't think anything really stood out from Bryce Young this week. We knew Alabama was going to roll, but the CJ Stroud in that Notre Dame, Ohio state game, I really found interesting because Ohio state, 
didn't look that comfortable, especially with, with Jackson Smith and the Jigba missing the good majority of that game with an injury. But the one thing that I, that I questioned about CJ Stroud when I film uh, during my film evaluation over the summer was you didn't see a lot of times where he made plays on the move. I thought he showed a real comfort level the other night making plays when he was forced to move the launch point. He wasn't able to sustain the pocket. Notre Dame was getting a lot of good pressure. So while the stats weren't super gaudy and Ohio State came away with the win, I came away impressed with C.J. Stroud showing more, uh, a little bit more than I had seen last year just because he wasn't asked to do it and they didn't really see a lot of pressure I thought he was much more comfortable throwing on the move than maybe I gave him credit for. He's never going to be a guy that does a lot with his legs, but I thought that stood out. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts on, on Stroud or maybe take this to another quarterback that that you thought, you know, an intriguing week one for them? Yeah, and I, I mean, I think the thing that we will watch with Stroud and, and you know, we know that he's going to be sought highly within NFL circles. Same thing with Bryce Young. Bryce Young had a six touchdown game, you know, you know, and a hundred yards rushing. So, you know, that's interesting, right? What is that going to look like? Um, you know, is that going to translate on an NFL level or not? Uh, you know, and, uh, it, you know, if we're going to you talk about the rushing side of things, we could talk about uh, Jaden Daniels, who you had highlighted up here, who had, you know, 209 yards passing, two touchdowns, 114 yards rushing. Um, and I actually, I want to, and, and then I guess we'll just mention Will Le- Levis too, because you meant, you, you know, mentioned the upcoming game with him and, and Richardson, but you know, 21 of 32, 303, you know, three and one. Um, but let me just kind of like circle back, hone in a little bit on Jaden Daniels. Cause, um, you know, as we'll, we'll get into, you know, some of the, uh, we'll get into booty, you know, on the wide receiver show, but you know, one of my notes there is that he had a Jaden Daniels issue. And, you know, I think the thing that I saw with Jaden Daniels is, again, that athleticism is there, you know, and and I'm going to highlight this again, not as a mark against Richardson yet, because I haven't, this isn't, you know, a a film scouting of Richardson. But when I did go back and I watched that LSU game, Jaden Daniels is not playing the quarterback position the same way that an NFL team is going to want him to play it. You know, he is three steps and then go. And, and when I say go, I mean, he's running. He's not even, he's not even given Booty a chance to uncover. He's Booty's in favorable. It's like a favorable coverage to the right side of the field. He's got, you know, two wide receivers, one man in coverage and a zone defender underneath and Booty's streaking down the sidelines. Like that'd be a touchdown, you know? And then it's, it looks like a great play because, you know, Daniels, you know, there's break. The contain got broken on the rush he gets around the outside, he hits the corner, he gets 25 yards running. Like, I mean, that's impressive. And Hey, that's great for your fantasy team too. But you know, those are the, th- the little pieces that when we come into February, March, and we start dissecting these guys and we say, you know, who's going to make it, who's going to make that step in that transition. Those are the types of plays where you're going to need to see them, you know, make the NFL play, not the college play. And so, you know, as far as, Again, I can't speak to Richardson here, but for, as far as Daniels goes, and and so again, those tools and the the excitement, you know, I think there's a lot of growth, a lot of growth to go in order to be, you know, in a conversation as a, you know, in my mind, 
quarterback prospect that teams are going to really want to invest in. Yeah, I mean, I watched I watched that entire game, and for I thought it was going to get benched to be honest with you because like they they looked like they were not until they were forced to late in the game, but they just did not really want to even let him do anything until he had to, and then when they actually let him do some quarterbacking things and make some throws and and some reads late in the game. He was pretty decent at it, but yeah, early on, early on, they just like, they wanted him, like you said, three steps, throw like a, a quick dump off short pass, like t- towards the sidelines, very safe, if not just run. And that was like basically their game plan for like the first three plus quarters. It was, it was very strange. And then finally, like when they, when they, when they kind of had to do it, you know, like he made some really good throws. Like, and I'm not saying he's, he's, he's not that consistent, but like, it was it was weird play calling. Like they were trying to like almost like hide him until they had to kind of, and then he he did play pretty good there. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting to kind of see uh, his maturity and his growth a little bit this year, uh, and if he can get a you know a little bit uh, better in terms of those quarterbacking skills. To me, oh. he's a little bit more athlete than quarterback. And and the same thing can be said about Anthony Richardson right now. I'm just not sure Jaden Daniels has the 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 physical traits that is makes Richardson a little bit more intriguing. Right, and you know you say play calling like you know I saw a bunch of like five yard button hooks like we're we're talking yeah. decent Garrett level play calling here. <laughs> um, you know it's I that's I also said with Booty he's got a uh, Brian Kelly problem too. So we'll get to him, but. Um, you know, I think some of it is a play calling some of it, like the play that I mentioned, you know, that was, that was all Daniels. He had a pocket, you know, even though I said the edge broke contain, he had a pocket to step up and, and hit the go on, on booty. Um, so I think there's like, there's a lot of things going on in LSU and, um, and they lost that game, you know, like I, you know, one of the things that I, I think there's, you, you could be looking at like a Clemson like situation where, Things just aren't working there. Um, and that's one of the storylines for the college football season that I'm going to want to pay attention to. Yeah, for sure. And listen, as someone who follows Notre Dame pretty closely, I, I know this, the record was always gaudy, but Brian Kelly was just not a guy that, I don't know. I, there was something about Brian Kelly that that I, I never thought he was no. a big-time coach. I didn't really like think he had a big-time like schematic fit or advantage or edge in that regard. Uh, like other coaches do. So I don't know. I don't know if that, that pairing, I mean, they obviously I, it was kind invested, of questionable but, from day one in my mind, but, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, yeah. it's the storyline, right? We got to follow it. We can't, we can't make judgments now, but for sure. A couple uh, other, a couple other draft eligible quarterbacks. I'll kind of rattle them off r- rapid fire. And then maybe you pick one or two. You want to mention something on Jeff. Uh, Jerron Hall out of BYU is a guy I'm going to be following closely. He's got a really intriguing skill set. 25 of 32, 261 yards, two touchdowns. BYU just rolled uh, this weekend in a game that some people thought was going to be way more competitive than it was. I like Hall a lot. Uh, I mean, kind of interested to see his rise this year. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami, who has already got some round one buzz, and a guy people think he can get up there. Very efficient, 13 of 16 for 193 yards and two touchdowns. Not much to, to base it off of for Miami's opponent this week, but just a nice start to Van Dyke's season uh, because you know he's one of those top guys. Uh, Phil Jerkovic at a BC. I watched that whole game start to finish. I just don't see with Jerkovic. Like I, I'm not. I, I know there are people that that really like him. I think, like I think back to like 
couple years ago. Like I didn't really love Kyle Trask. I think I don't like I, what I've seen of Jerkovic so far. Like to me, like at best he's Kyle Trask or, or like below. Like I think if he's a round four guy, maybe I, I don't see a skill set. Like he had a couple of terrible interceptions that were just like mind boggling. BC, you know, blew that game away at the end and, and kind of choked it away. Uh, and then Dylan Gabriel, you know, formerly of UCF and now Oklahoma, 233 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jeff, any thoughts on either Hall or Van Dyke or Jerkovic or, or, or Gabriel here to kind of round out the draft eligible quarterbacks we want to hit on tonight? I'm with you on Jerkovic. Even, you know, when we looked through, through his film last year, that was, again, part of it is I just, you know, even in last year's quarterbacks class, he, he kind of was not standing out. And you saw where all of last year's quarterbacks went, right? Um, you know, I, I am really following Van Dyke um, pretty closely here. I mean, the the 13 of 16, I, it's just, we'll see when Miami actually goes through not the week one competition, right? And, and goes down the stretch and, and see what he does. But I think, you know, that program has the ability to, you know, make a little bit more noise um, and especially with him behind center. And then Dylan Gabriel just, you know, I, I think I was all, I, he was on my radar when he was at UCF. I think he made great plays there. He's had some rough injury luck uh, and he's been, he's been sitting for some injuries, the transfer, the Oklahoma program, you know, he had an efficient day, you know, they didn't need to, you know, win a barn burner or anything. Um, That's just another name that I'm going to follow through this year and, and, you know, and see what, what happens there, right. What happens there? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, a lot of guys will be following, um, it's gonna be fun. This quarterback class, we're gonna have a lot to talk about almost every single week. Let's transition this over to the draft eligible running backs. Uh, some storylines that we wanted to hit upon. I think the first one is Kenny Mc, uh, McIntosh out of Georgia. He was a guy Dane Brugler was talking up last week on the show. Uh, earlier in the summer during the running back show, I, I said I was intrigued by his skill set. And I think we saw right off the bat that they have a plan in place for him. And it is going to be very much the James Cook role. He only had five carries for 18 yards. He, one of them was a touchdown. But I, I don't think they're going to use him a ton in that regard. They're going to kind of split that workload. It'll be interesting when they're when they're being challenged in a little bit more of a closer game if, if those actually happen at times besides when they play Alabama. But uh they really like his receiving capabilities, nine catches, 117 yards. Like you don't see numbers like that too often from college running backs, Uh, you know, especially, you know, going up against Oregon, like, you know, this wasn't like going up against, you know, some one double a team or something like that. So really impressive start. I think they have a plan in place for him. Uh, Dane was talking him up even more than, than I liked this game last week that he said in NFL circles, there's a lot of intrigue. Uh, with McIntosh's game. So that stood out. And then one more, and then I'll, I'll let you chime in on these and then bring up uh, some other names that you want to talk about. Eric Gray, we talked a lot about him on the running back show. You know, he was supposed to go to Oklahoma last year and kind of seize that opportunity and, and be a big weapon there. And then he just kind of didn't do much, right? Kennedy Brooks kind of held him off. But this year, week one starts, 16 carries, 102 yards rushing, another 33 in the past game as well. Clear RB one duty. So I thought that, I think that's a, something that stood out this week after he never was able to really do that last year. So Jeff, any thoughts on McIntosh or gray uh, before maybe you transition this over to a couple other running backs? No, I mean, I think uh, when we talked about the Georgia backfield, um, you know, it's 
always nice to have an idea for a replacement to the guy, the, you know, second round NFL player, you know, drafted NFL player you lost. And, you know, the hard thing about replacing them is, you know, you've got to be able to actually have someone who can step up in those shoes. And so, yes, call this the, the, I know some people were already on Kenny McIntosh, but you know, this is his coming out party. Right. Um, same thing, uh, you know, Eric Gray, right. Like, Hey, it, the sledding might need to, we'll get tougher. Um, and you know, my film break on him on, on the preview was that, Hey, he's going to need to, you know, learn how to run, you know, when the running's not so easy. So hey, this is a, you know, being the clear one, having, you know, 50% of all the running back touches in a blowout, right. Uh, is something that I think is, is a great sign moving forward for gray and his draft stock. But again, we're going to have, you know, I didn't watch his tape. I didn't watch the game. Um, but you know, that's what we're going to have to see, you know, week to week as it grows, right. One that he holds that role Two that as he holds that role, as he gets those reps, he starts refining and developing his game, you know, so that he can take it, you know, from a space game to, you know, up when the field condenses at the NFL level, he'll still be effective. So moving on, um, add in a couple names, you know, we talked about him. I sent a clip out, you know, he had some, some buzz, but Mo Ibrahim comes in, returns from injury, has 132 yards, two touchdowns. And Paul, he looked like the same back he did uh, when he was a year ago playing Ohio state. I mean, I thought he had, you know, he showed the burst, he showed the contact balance. He translated that to power. I, you know, I, I told you like, I need to see it a little bit and he's going to be a flag plant player and I'm going to be all in. <laughs> and it's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm getting sucked in. So I, you know, again, you, you had some questions about his athleticism. I don't know if you saw this game, um, but if you did, I'm going to be extremely curious to, you know, what you think about Ibrahim. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got a chance to watch a little bit of it and I, it was impressive, especially his first game back. Like, you know, like, Achilles, right? yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's remarkable, right? Like just even Cam Akers making it back to the Super Bowl last year. These guys like are coming back from Achilles injuries and, you know, he looked really good. Like he looked, he looked like you said, almost like similarly to the player that we started in that Ohio state game. So he's going to be interesting because he's a guy like when I, you know, like when I watched him last summer, I came away a solid prospect, like a solid guy, like, you know, a guy who I thought could be like, you know, around four, around five guy, and then looked really good in that Ohio State game, but then got injured. So like it, it was hard to really adjust my thoughts at all. But he's a guy who I don't think he creates a lot, but I think he's a very like here's it. And part of it is like, you know, James Robinson came out of nowhere to have a really good year. Like there's guys who can do that. Ibrahim is a guy who I think could could if he was given an opportunity could be a guy that really produces. It's just I'm looking I'm still looking to find some traits that I think will make him stand out to get pushed up that board a little bit to be a guy that goes in the first 100 picks and not kind of mixed in with that, you know, that wide range of day 3 guys where then it really seems to always fall upon does the opportunity break their way to really be more than a complimentary or depth piece? And I and love how you say James Robinson too, because that's, that's who, I mean, I, it's not my comp for him because 
I haven't dug far enough, but that is exactly who comes to yeah. mind when I watch him play. And, uh, you know, as far as his standout trait, like, okay, he's not a home run hitter. Okay. He's not like Derrick Henry out there. How about just, you know, his overall innate, uh, with, with the, um, instincts for the position, right? Like, you know, that's, that's usually learned skill, but, but his instincts for the position are in my mind, what makes him stand out, you know, in this class. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think it's going to be fun to kind of watch him and we'll see, you know, some interesting games there in the Big Ten and stuff. So why don't you take this over? I know another guy that, you know, kind of an under the radar guy that you really wanted to bring up. Yeah. And, you know, just we'll hit some big names before we get here. You know, uh, Jameer Gibbs, 993 and a touchdown. Zach Evans debut, 130 yards, 22 more, two catches. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, another 100 on the ground, touchdown, had five catches. You know, A-Chain had more of a, a quiet game, but he had 18 touches there, 42 yards a touchdown. Um, I want to bring a name because we didn't have him on our our preview list. Um, but he's he's a name that I've seen in, you know, the deeper Debbie circles, in the deeper draft circles. Lou Nichols had, you know, 26 carries, 72 yards, two touchdowns, six receptions, another 26 yards. It doesn't look like a great yards per carry that's not going to be a problem for this guy. Uh, one, cause I watched all of those snaps, all the game, you know, all each one of those reps and uh, you know, and, and a lot of that, those carries were in short yardage situations, third and one fourth down conversion goal line situations. Right. So you know, yards per carry, forget about that. Uh, Lou Nichols. So central Michigan, 5'11, 222. Last year he led FCS in rushing. 1,850 yards. He also had 40 receptions for 340 yards through the air, 18 total touchdowns. Massive production at Central Michigan. But as a player, he's a power runner. He's able to shed first and second level tacklers. A lot of the plays design, you know, he's following the play. He got plays. But there are times where he issues the you know the play design takes it on himself and, and he kind of wins he you know he he makes when he makes those decisions he's making the most of it and getting more than he otherwise would have gotten i think he's got pretty good vision the other reason i think he's got pretty good vision is he's usually able to have a plan and evade backfield pressure and be able to still be on track to his play and his assignment He's got a good size, good frame, and with that size and frame, he can start and stop and redirect his momentum pretty well. He's not, you know, he's not Deuce Vaughn out there, right? You know, with just one sharp cuts. You know, it's a couple, it's a couple chop steps, but enough to trip up defenders, make them take poor angles, be somewhat evasive, you know, for a 220 pound guy, and you know, decent as a receiver, right? He's there in the screen game, the outlet game, some yard after yard after catchability. I'm bringing him up because I don't I don't think we're talking about some guy who's coming out of nowhere into a top 100 pick. But I think he's a player that you have to keep your eye on. You have to see how he produces. You have to see how he plays. And you're going to have you're going to probably hear his name out, you know, in the run up to the NFL draft circles as some guy as, as some somebody that, you know, teams are starting to key in on and, and you know, teams are going to start liking. So I, I bring him up here because we'll. You know, we'll probably talk about him from time to time. I'm keeping my eye on him. You guys should too. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I didn't get a chance to watch, so he's a guy that I'm, I'm going to want to uh, just do some film work on before I get a real feel for him. But like, he's like the prototypical guy. Like, fast forward this to like next like April. Like, he's the he's the type of guy that like Waldman comes on and just like speaks like poetically about, and then like he goes like in like they like round six or seven, or he's a priority free agent, and then all of a sudden you start hearing like all these glowing reports. Like, I just kind of feel like that's like the trajectory of of of, the, of a guy like this. That yeah, I think like, he could be. I could be. I think he could be a pick in the one twenties round four kind of guy you know he's he's going to be one where he will be taken over some of these other big names that we've talked about like if he went above zach charbonnet i would not be shocked at all mm-hmm. yeah and and listen i i think that's the names that have been out there in the Debbie circles for years i i feel like people always kind of hold on to them and the NFL might think of things very differently. And like, you know, Charbonnet is a guy here. I was going to kind of mention in, in a couple, you know, quick hitters, like he does what he did. Charbonnet's going to have a great year. He's going to have a great statistical year, you know, 101 yards rushing, a touchdown, five catches, 36 yards. I just struggled to see, you know, when you take him out of that Chip Kelly scheme and you take him out of that offense, I'm just not sure his game is going to translate to be anything more than a complimentary or depth piece at the next level. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, you mentioned before he had his Alabama debut, very, you know, very rock solid, not 93 yards and a touchdown. Zach Evans transferred from, the, from TCU to Ole Miss. What I like about the Zach Evans, just even the production was really good, but the, the, the touches and the workload, 22 total touches, 20 rushes, two receptions. That was the thing. Dane Brugler last week said, Lane Kiffin feeds his best players. Any questions about Zach Evans, you know, past years, not seeing a heavy volume, that's going to go out the window. We're going to see Zach Evans get fed 20, 22, 24, 25 touches a game. It started this weekend and he's going to see, you know, live up to the hype that, you know, of how talented he is. Um, Devin A. Chain, obviously a guy that, you know, I'm a big fan of. Dane was on last week talking about him too. Uh, very ho-hum statistical game, only had 42 yards rushing and a touchdown. But I do think the thing that stood out about A-Chain was 18 rushes. You know, the size frame is always going to be a concern with him. But I think this year he's going to get a real opportunity to maybe uh, at least show he could handle a heavier workload. You know, so that's um, kind of like Tyler Beatty did last year for Missouri Prior to that year, people had questions about whether he could handle a heavy workload. He answered that. Sean Tucker out of Syracuse, another big name. 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, 84 yards receiving and a touchdown. I've already said to me, he's Maurice Jones Drew uh, 2.0. I love watching Tucker play. Uh, So those are a couple of big guys that kind of kicked off their seasons. I don't think anything stood out too much one way or the other. Nice to see Evans and A-Chain handle a heavy workload. Uh, And then Travis Dye, one of my guys who I really was high on, it's clear there's no pecking order right now in USC and in that backfield, very minimal touches, you know, that could hurt a guy like Travis Dye who needs to see, you know, eight to 10 carries a game, three to five rece- receptions a game, I think really to kind of hit his stride. Jeff, any thoughts on any of those bigger names I said? And also maybe uh, I definitely want to hear your take and bring up the Michigan backfield because I think that was something that definitely stood out this weekend as well. Yeah, I mean, Gibbs is good. Evans is good. Tucker is good. Go back to our running back preview pod. You know, that's what we're seeing. And, you know, they're just building upon their draft stock. So, you know, putting more tape out there, you know, 
showing more prob- NFL problem solving. Um, they had some great highlights. Go watch them. Get excited about them. You know, the Michigan backfield I thought was interesting because both Corum and Edwards played pretty well, right? And so that was my thing with with um, Corum was how much, you know, how much are they going to split? How much are they going to work? Who's going to have what roles? Who's going to take over a pass-catching role? Both only had one reception this last game. So we're not seeing something along the lines of a Kenny McIntosh sort of passing level back. But 13 for 76 and a touchdown for Corum. 12 for 61 and a touchdown for Donovan Edwards. Right now, you know, we've got an even split, an even roll. They're complementing each other. That's not a death knell for either of their draft stocks, but you might not see one guy run away with the job because both are very capable backs. And so, you know, we're going to have to evaluate them more on their skills than we will on, say, metrics or production or anything like that. So it's something to keep an eye on. Again, I just want to see how that unfolds. You know, there's a lot of other you know, we'll see that on the receiver side, you know, with, you know, with different, um, you know, receiving duos too, which one, who's, you know, who's standing out um, two quick hits and, or, or one last final quick hit. And then and if you want to comment, you know, on the Michigan guys or, you know, Raheem Sanders who hit um, 20 for 117, again, you know, we're talking about, you know, athleticism here and upside. I didn't think he had a, a, a great refined game, but you've got to keep an eye on these guys. Like you mentioned with Richardson, you know, if they, you know, really start to take over in the college season, um, both from a production and a skills building standpoint, there's they're a name that you need to to follow closely. So, any other comments there before you take us to the wide receivers? Yeah, just you know, you mentioned that Michigan backfield, and, and I think what it comes down to is, listen, we've seen the Georgia backfield be split for years, and like guys both go to the NFL, right? We saw Michael Carter and Javante Williams come out of the same backfield, and the truth be told is Blake Corum probably is best in more of that dual backfield, right? No NFL team's going to draft Blake Corum next year and think he's the guy who's going to come in, you know, just like Buffalo didn't draft James Cook and think that James in the second round to think that he's going to come in and handle a 20, you know, touch workload probably so my guess is Blake Corum is probably going to have that kind of view in terms of the NFL eyes so they might get a chance right now just to kind of see him be a compliment not a complimentary piece he has a pivotal role but not going to be a clear one and then a backup they're going to it's going to be more especially Michigan they're going to run a lot they still want to be a team that relies on their run game a lot as well so I, I think that kind of suits Corum you know, probably pretty well based on, you know, what he brings to the table. So it'd be interesting to kind of see. And I also think it's going to behoove Texas A&M to maybe not run a chain as much as I like the player, not to run him 20 times in between the tackles either. You know, when games start getting a little bit more competitive against better teams, they're going to have to find somebody, uh, to take on part of that spill Isaiah Spiller role from last year as well, especially as they start getting into the, the meat of their schedule down the line. So let's transition this over to the wide receivers. And you mentioned them before. So let's just start with Keishan Booty. Two catches, 20 yards, but disinterested, annoyed, like the the memes and the comments and the gifs that were flying out there on Twitter immediately. You mentioned before it's maybe it's a Jaden Daniels issue, maybe it's a Brian Kelly issue, but like you watched the first half of that game and all anybody was saying is why didn't he just go transfer to Alabama? Right? Like why didn't he go do the Jermaine burden thing? Like, you know, because they're just not gonna, they're not going to maximize 
his skill set. They're not going to give him a chance to catch 12 balls for 200 yards. That's not how Jaden Daniels is going to play quarterback. That's not how Brian Kelly is going to call it. And then once you already get a loss, once the season is kind of like, okay, what is LSU playing for? Are we going to even see? Like to me, like how many games are we even going to see Booty play this year, I think is already a legitimate question because he knows he probably doesn't have to do another thing and he'd already be in the mix to be a top 15 or top 20 wide receiver if he just kind of shut it down and then ramped it up for the pre-draft process. So that was the big thing, you know, that stood out. And then I mentioned it before, Jackson Smith and the Jigbo leaving the game early. You know, we saw Ohio State really, you know, scatter a little bit, you know, uh, when when he left the game. You know, we didn't get a real feel if if we were going to see – Smith and Ajigbo play more outside in the limited amount of snaps that he had. You know, I think we still start him line up in the slot a lot, and I didn't chart it. But, you know, a full game, I think, would have been more obvious to see if he had one of his 10-catch games. Well, were they all coming from the slot? Like, you know, I think that would have been interesting. So still, that is to be determined. So those two big guys right at the top, Jermaine Burden got his start this week. Two touchdowns. I think we're going to see a lot of touchdowns from him. Uh, Quinton Johnson, quiet week there. Those are are pretty much considered four of the top wide receivers, if not D4 in the country. So Jeff, any more thoughts elaborating on the booty situation uh, and anything else with either Smith and Jigba, Burden or Quinton Johnson? Yeah. I mean, we've got to talk about booty a little bit more, right? I mean, you're not going to get, you know, anywhere you're, you're hiding under a rock if you don't hear any conversations about him. So why don't we just join the chorus? Right. So, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, I said, does he have a Jaden Daniels problem? Does he have a Brian Kelly problem? And, you know, I think that factors in a lot, but he's also got a Kayshawn booty problem, right? Like that's it's not Jaden Daniels fault when you're just dropping obvious passes right at your hands. Yeah. I mean, that happens to receivers from time to time, right? Like we're not saying that all of a sudden he can't play football, but like there's a Kayshawn booty problem right there. Right. And, you know, so, you know, Brian Kelly is not scheming up Kayshawn booty the way that Kayshawn booty wants to see that. Right. Like neighbors seems to be getting a lot of those schemed looks, right. Like, you know, dragged around, like, you know, drags around the shallow cross to get some yards after the catch, you know, get those first downs. Like those aren't going to booty the same way that they used to. Um, Jane, I mentioned Jaden Daniels as far as, um, you know, the court, like you said, he was going to get benched, right? Yeah, there were some plays. It wasn't just the play calling, too, or that they didn't trust him. Like, I mean, he was bailing on the the passing plays to, to you know, to use his legs. And effectively, you know, for a lot of the times, uh, a lot of times he got sacked, too. But, um, you know, but it's pretty hard when you're Kayshawn Booty. You've got a great look. You've got the matchup that you want on the outside, you know, no safety help over the top, you know, two, two wide receivers stressing one cornerback and you don't get the ball on that side of the field. And, and you look across the field and Jaden Daniels is like, you know, 50 yards away from you running down the field. Like, you know, they're, you know, they're not on the same page. They're not on the same page. And then again, I just, there were problems with Kayshawn Booty's game. Like this was not a good game for him. And, and that happens, right? Like there are not like lots of players have not good games. They bounce back. They're fine. Right. We have to watch for that because he needs a bounce back. You know, the drops were bad. Some of them are overblown that, that goal line one, you know, was a little bit behind him in tight coverage. Like, but you've got to kind of make that catch, man. If, 
if you're going to be the top receiver in the game, if you're going to be the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft, you know, you come down with that football. I also thought, you know, the sharpness of his roots were off. And, and again, it didn't look like he was disinterested. It just, it seemed like a physical limitation of him being able to like stop and start. And I'm wondering, like, we don't know what that injury was. You know, we, we heard a lot about it. There was, it sounded some serious, but then he's coming back and then he's playing and he's practicing. And so maybe it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, we don't know what it was. It was a Liz Frank or was it an Achilles? Like, I don't, I don't, there's not a lot of information out there, but what it looks like on the field is that he's not the same player. Uh, I don't, something's not there with the way that he was able to make his you know, the dynamic movements that helped him stand out, you know, as a freshman. And I think that that raises some questions, like where to the point where if he didn't play, if, you know, if, if it just, if his season wasn't going great three, four games in, and he says, I'm just going for the NFL draft. I, I think he could fall out of the top five wide receivers. I think he could fall out of round one. That's a lot of money he's costing himself. I mean, you know, we talked about it, Burton, right? Burton had a pretty good game, right? He's he's going to be building up his draft stock. You know, Quentin Johnson was streaky, but that's that's Quentin Johnson. I don't think their team, I don't think NFL teams are going to hold that against them if he's displaying the skills and growth that he needs to, to, to play. And he's out there, right? If, if Quentin Johnson is out there through rough quarterback play, a tough team situation, and he's still playing his heart out, and he's showing NFL teams what he can do, what he can bring to them, they'll take a chance on Quentin Johnson over Kayshawn Booty. And, and Jordan Addison, right? Like Jordan Addison's playing now with USC. Like he had a good game. There, you know, a lot of other good games out there too. Um, I could see Bouti falling out to be mid to late round two, especially if there's a lot of question marks and you're going to hear about it in the draft cycle. Does he have the heart? You know, does he have the discipline? You know, that, you know, Brian Kelly keeps talking about these off field concerns, not worried about Bouti on the field. I'm concerned about him off field. Like that. You know, we saw Darius Geis fall in the draft because of something like that. Yeah, I there, mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of really valid points there. It's going to be interesting. Like, if I'm Brian Kelly this week, I'm drawing up plays and getting him back. Like, in like they need him to be a part of that offense. Like, if you completely take him out, LSU's gonna. It's gonna. It might already be a really tough year for them moving forward. But like, they need to kind of find a way to get him going early what if if the physical capabilities are there and there's not some type of limitation holding him back but it's going to be really interesting because it's going to be one of those things where if he's not having a good year does he choose to shut it down does he you know what what is his agent then put out once he you know once he says he's done he's going to be signing um you know i keep going back though like you know Derek singley had two years of basically nothing and still went towards the top of the draft people, the NFL evaluators do sometimes hold on to, to glimpses yeah. of like freshmen, but it, but it comes down to what you're saying though. Like you didn't he hear played much. hard though. Stinky yeah, played all the exactly. way through. Right? And, and there wasn't character from what I know. And he didn't look like he was half-assing it out there. Yeah. It was just, he wasn't as good as that freshman year. And, and then he didn't play one year due to whatever. I don't know if it was injury or to COVID. I forget. Um, but like they mostly just went on that first year, right? That was like what made him such an elite prospect. And then just like the traits, you know, Booty would, you know, would be living on that year, but he had played two more. Well, it wasn't that part of it. It wasn't that like when he was a breakout year, he was phenomenal, but he, it wasn't this, you know, massive 
you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba's sophomore year breakout, right? Like, you know, we're not talking 1,600 yards as a freshman. We're not talking no. a Rondale Moore kind of thing. And, and Dane Brugler last week said he doesn't think this wide receiver class is anywhere near what we've seen previous years. So, again, and Dane's is connected to NFL people. Like, he says he even Booty and Smith and Jigba, he says, I'm not sure they're top 10 or top 15 guys. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of questions. So this could be one of those years. Now, again, wide receivers do tend to get pushed up. Teams need them and want them. But I, I, it's not inconceivable, especially if we have four or five quarterbacks go early. It's not inconceivable that this is more of one of those years where, you know, where you have like one or two, maybe one in the 40s. top. Yeah. Yeah. It could, it could be, it could be you have a couple go late in that 20 to 32 range and then a bunch in the early, you know, round two. So it's going to kind of be interesting. Booty's going to be one that as long as he's playing, we're going to be kind of checking in on that uh, the rest of the year. Couple other big names. Jordan Addison kicked off his his uh, campaign there with USC, fifty four yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Zay Flowers, big game, ten catches, one hundred seventeen yards and two touchdowns. Like I said with Jerkovic, I watched that whole game. Zay Flowers looked more explosive. I, I said it on the wide receiver show. I didn't know what it was two years ago. I, I thought he was an explosive vertical slot. Last year, I had my reservations uh, when I watched the film that I thought maybe he was just more of like a more prototype slot guy, not a guy who can make big plays. And, and, and I kind of said, where were those big plays from the year before he started showing some of that? Maybe it was whatever going on last year after the jerk of injury, the play calls, whatever flowers off to a good start. I know we said that we were going to keep a close eye on the Maryland situation for first week that went to Rakeem Jarrett being the, the clear alpha there, six catches, 110 yards. Uh, Demas jr. Three catches, 23 yards. Uh, any any thoughts on any of those before we kind of round out the wide receiver position with, with two guys who, you know, are really intriguing, exciting players? No, I am, I think it's great to keep keep an eye on that. You mentioned all the, the, the highlights and the quick hits of what's important. I think it's – we really should get into talking about Aeneas Smith and uh, Cowing here. Um, Cowing in his debut had um, eight for 152 and three. And so we missed him on – you know, the wide receiver preview, he was one of those ones where, where you hit it at the very end, you know, Hey, look, these are another five to to six names that, you know, we have to pay attention to that. They're right there. And, you know, with a debut like that, as he, you know, he transferred over Arizona and just, you know, well, I'll start with him because, you know, Anaya Smith is, is, you know, your guy and (laughs) and, uh, I have some thoughts on him, but I'd love to, you know, let you go ahead and, take his take first crack on him. But, you know, as far as Jacob Cowan goes, he was heavily involved in the scheme there. Like, you know, we are talking about, you know, like Josh Downs level integration into the offense. And I think it was, it's, I mean, he's again, his size, his stature. I mean, it, it just looked like watching Josh Downs tape, you know, all even to like the nitpicks where, you know, he's jumping at the catch point the same way I mentioned in, in Downs's you know, film breakdown to start the year. But but his ability to his speed, his his yak ability, his you know his ability to eat open field space and make big plays, hundred percent from the slot. I mean, a lot of schemed releases. Like we're not seeing him off prefs. We're not seeing him off man. We're not seeing him challenge. Like there's going to be a lot of question marks in his prospect profile, and I don't think we're going to see any of that change. But I do think with the level of involvement that he's going on this year, like you have to you have to immediately pay attention 
to, to this because he's on that level of, you know, alert that you would have for a Josh Downs that you'd even have for a Jordan Addison level. Like this guy is going to be extremely productive this year. And I, I see him hitting the draft after a year like that and potentially, you know, if you have to, I, I wouldn't mind as a team, if I'm looking for that profile of player, I wouldn't mind spending a later pick on a guy like Jacob Cowing than I would an early pick on a guy like Jordan Addison. Yeah. And Cowing is a guy that explosive, explosive, uh, skills in terms of what he put up last year at UTEP. I mean, listen, the big, the two big question marks with Cowing is that we need to see that level of athleticism and production translate against better competition, not the uh, oppositions that UTEP face and can 166 pound frame, which is what his listed weight is. You know, he needs, he needs to a add to that frame for sure. By the time the combine and, and, senior bowl and stuff rolls around. But if he can add a little bit to that, then yeah, his skill set is not all that different than a Jordan Addison and a Josh Downs. So if he shows he can translate with the transition to better competition from UTEP to Arizona, and he can add to that frame a little bit and, and keep the explosiveness, which I think he can do, but this is a guy who plays even bigger than that. Like if you want, if people went back and haven't been familiar, you watch his film, there's highlights all over UTEP games that, you know, him leaping, making plays at the catch point. So really intriguing player. Glad you brought him up because he's going to be a guy that I think we're going to be checking in on a lot. And he's going to be a guy you're going to see uh, dress stock uh, really continue to soar because teams are looking for offensive weapons. So even if he's not the prototype and you have to only in the slot as an offensive and an offensive weapon, I mean, Wendell Robinson just went pick 45, right? You know, we have guys who don't fit, you know, certain uh, benchmarks in terms of certain physical capabilities still going really high in the NFL draft now. It's different. So Cowing could be in line to be one of those guys uh, that could do that. And then you mentioned up, you mentioned before, Aeneas Smith, you know, uh, a guy who I think is going to be considered maybe the best mover in this class. So, you know, we, we hear it Saturday Sunday talk a lot about movement skills. I thought two years ago, Kadarius Tony had the best movement skills. I thought last year that was Wendell Robinson. I've been on record saying I really think Aeneas Smith is that guy in this class. He's got some Kadarius Tony to his game. Uh, I think he's going to be on a trajectory right now, wherever you see him in rankings, and it's not very high. I know I think I had him at eight before the se- before the season started, and I don't, I didn't find one place when I did in my search of other people's rankings that even had him in the top ten or top fifteen. Most places had him after that. Uh, so, but I like his game: 164 yards, two touchdowns. I think he's a, got rat running skills. I think he's got playmaking skills. Uh, what I saw this week was basically what anytime I watch film on him and dug in, I saw this really explosive playmaker. It was nice to see him kind of hit the floor, hit the ground running in week one. So Jeff, any, any thoughts on Smith there to kind of close out uh, our draft eligible talk before we hit on a couple of Debbie guys to round it out after the yeah. tight ends. And, and, you know, when we did the, you know, lead into next year and you did your tier busters, right. And we had, you know, a tier one and a guy kind of at the end of tier one that, you included that not a lot of other players had at the time was, was Jahan Dotson. And, you know, I, that's, 
I think Ania Smith is this year's Jahan Dotson. Like he's going to be a round one pick. He's going to be going, you know, around all these other players, but no one's going to be lumping him in there. And he's a complete wide receiver. Like he's going to be labeled as a gadget by some, but he is a complete wide receiver. You know, just his hands, his route running, his explosiveness, like it's all there. Um, he's going to have a great year too. And again, you know, we had some questions, you know, about how, you know, a chains game this last one, but like Ania Smith was, yeah, he's a, he's, he's the star right now of Texas A&M right there. So, yeah. And I, and I think Texas A&M is going to be fun. I think they're really going to feed him this year, which we didn't really get a chance to see that yet. I think this might be where it all comes together and has that monster statistical year. And maybe that does get him on the radar a little bit more and higher up people's ranks. Uh, let's transition this to the tight end. Not a lot to talk about. A couple things. Where is Arik Gilbert? I, I don't even know what's going on with that situation, which was really weird. Uh, so that's a to be determined, I guess. Keep a close yeah, I, eye I, on it. I tried uh, to I research. I tried to find something. Couldn't find anything. About yeah, it. it's just like you know. I you know. So I I don't know what to say about that right now. I've made my my feelings well known that they can the NFL might love him and he could easily be tight end one in this class if everything checked out and he had a good year, but not how you want to kind of see it start. Uh, Michael Mayer is the more balanced and more consensus tight end one right now. He had a pretty ho-hum game against Ohio State. Five catches, 32 yards. You'd like to see him be a little bit more involved there. And and I wanted to bring up the Utah tight ends only because if you rewound this a year ago and listened to Saturday and Sunday, I was really intrigued by Brand Keith. Uh, I thought he could very much – we had seen guys like Kyle Granson go, I think it was round three of the NFL draft. Dalton Keene go round three of the NFL draft. Maybe Granson slipped to round four. But that prototype of like that guy who's not really a tight end. Brent Keith, I think, used to be a wide receiver, really good athlete. And then like last year, it kind of like shifted to be more like Kincaid was the tight end to be talking about there in that Utah tight end room. And then week one, it shifted back. You know, I, I know it's just one week, but Brent Keith, nine catches, 105 yards, one touchdown. He's a really explosive player for the tight end position, a high-level athlete with, you know, very productive receiving career in terms of his college career. So he's just a guy that I, I think this separation between Kincaid and Keith on people's boards needs to really narrow pretty quickly uh, because I think Keith is a guy who offers that intriguing skill set as a guy you can move and make him your move tight end and do a lot of different things with him because he does have athleticism that's more receiver-like than tight end-like. So, Jeff, any any quick thoughts on the tight end situation before we do a little rapid fire of, of in terms of our Debbie slant? Just that, you know, again, what we have to look for for Mayer's film is, you know, more big plays, more explosiveness, tackle breaking, you know, however he's going to do it. You know, it doesn't seem like it's going to be with elite athleticism. So, you know, is he going to be able to be, you know, a, you know, a tackle breaker or, you know, a, a more efficient zone beater set up the yak, however he's going to do it. That's the type of thing that we're going to need to see from him, develop from him, not necessarily to not be the tight end one, but, you know, for him to really elevate himself into what would be a difference maker for fantasy versus just a really good, you know, u- utility player um, outlet you know, option, you know, even just sort of, you know, PPR first down engine for NFL teams. Yeah. And I, and I, I mentioned him when I, when I said who he compares to, 
we got to figure out if we can get a read on what the NFL thinks. Do they look at him as more like TJ Hawkinson or do they look at him as more like Pat Fryermoot, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the range on those guys was like top 10 and then like mid-second round, right? Mm-hmm. Where does Mayer kind of fall? I think it's probably somewhere in the middle as more of like a 20 to 32 type guy. I don't think he's a top 10 or top 15 guy. And I don't think he's a second round guy. So I, I think it probably ends up meshing in between where those guys were taken in terms of their draft capital uh, and we'll see about Eric Gilbert and, and what happens with that. So let's let's take this to the Devi slant where we always kind of just hit on a, a couple names of intrigue. For me, the guy that stood out in terms of the whole weekend was Drake made a quarterback from UNC. That UNC Appalachian State game was absolutely bonkers wild. He had 352 yards and four touchdowns, 76 yards rushing, and another touchdown there. To me, this is a guy, kind of like how we saw Caleb Williams stock just soared last year. Uh, once he got an opportunity, I think we're going to see that from Drake May. I think him and Caleb Williams are the two underclassmen quarterbacks uh, that are not draft eligible that I think are going to be the guys on our radar you know, next year when we're talking about draft-eligible guys, I think May and Caleb Williams could be two of the more intriguing ones. Great start for Drake May. Caleb Williams transferred to USC, 248 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he's going to have no issues with that transition, especially same offense that he's comfortable with. Uh, Jeff, any quick thoughts on May or Williams or anybody else you want to maybe bring up the quarterback spot? Quick hit on Williams. Uh, drafted him in a Debbie League this offseason. So really excited to see this. I mean, he basically pitched a perfect game, you know, 19 for 22, uh, you know, 70 yards rushing. Let's hope it just – let's hope he, he is Kyler 2.0 for my Debbie squad sake. But <laughs> Drake May, uh, that – I mean, there was a little bit of buzz going into the, the year for him. But nothing that, you know, that really he – he exceeded all of the expectations that were, were set you know, at the start. I, I, I mean, I think immediately everybody is recalibrating what they think of this guy and what they think he can be, and what his potential will look like. And I mean, UNC is going to need to score a lot of points. And, and so he, I mean, he could just, we could just be seeing just lights out, just fireworks, you know, from Jake May, he might have to. Um, so that's, that's one of those names where, I mean, now, like got to start now, like I, oof, I might almost rather get on the Drake May rocket ship than the Anthony Richard rocket ship personally, but but that's you know I just thought I saw a lot out of May as a as a player um, that I think you know and he's got the time and I think of the ability to develop well as a quarterback, um, but that's just my kind of like I think we're talking about guys on the trajectory there like you know Dogecoin to the moon stocks up you know round one early picks yeah and i think i and listen i know he's well regarded in debbie circles as well but kind of like i was saying before about anthony richardson like drake may is another one of those guys right quarterbacks is quarterbacks are one of those tricky things right because if, if it's more of a traditional one quarterback league listen i like cj Stroud and i like bryce young a lot but are they really going to be in fantasy circles true X factors at the position. Cause look at the guys who are at the top of the quarterback market right now in terms of fantasy in the NFL, right? CJ Stratton and Bryce Young aren't bringing a Josh Allen package to the game. They're not bringing a Patrick Mahomes package to the game. They're not bringing a running capability of Lamar Jackson or, uh, you know, or Kyler, uh, Kyler, Kyler Murray. Yeah. So, so for them to hit 
really hit, they got to be as prolific as Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, right? To be in that top five to seven mix. And maybe they can get there, but I'm not sure I see either of them on that level. So then you look for the guys who can have that X factor, that rushing ability that can make be the next Kyler Murray with the passing and or Lamar Jackson. And that's why guys like Richardson and Drake may really intrigue me. Uh, and I, I think getting them early is the way to kind of do it, be aggressive uh, and try to get them on your teams. Now if we take this to the running back. I really only have one I want to bring up and, and that's Braylon Allen out of uh, Wisconsin, 14 carries 148 yards and two touchdowns. I bring him up. It was a, it was a weaker opponent, so it's something gaudy about the stats, but I think he's going to be a guy that may close the gap. And I don't know how big it is, but I think he may close the gap on in Debbie ranks and Debbie circles to another underclassman in terms of Travion Henderson, who I love. I think that gap might close a little bit. And I think as this year goes on, once the new running back class starts, once the current running back class starts to settle itself out a little bit, I could see Braylon Allen maybe jumping some. I don't want to. I'm misusing some names from this year's draft class, whether it's, you know, Sean Tucker we mentioned or, you know, Tank Bigsby. I could see Braylon Allen, even though he's got he's a year behind these guys, leaping some of those other guys that we really like in this draft class upcoming and maybe closing the gap on Travion Henderson. I think he's a really strong, big time athlete good rushing capabilities already. So I think he's another guy who's going to be regarded as one of the top underclassmen running backs in the country. I know he's already there, but I think you're going to start to see a little bit less separation maybe between him and Henderson. Jeff, any thoughts on Allen or anybody, any other running back you want to bring up from this past weekend underclassmen? Balin, Balin Allen. He's he's my bae. Yeah. 90 of those yards were on like one play, but Hey, I mean, he earned those, right? Patience, patience. I mean, you saw the highlight patience, you know, nothing was in front of him, work through it, and then just erupt through the line of scrimmage and just out through, you know, into the third level before you even knew it. And he was gone. And that's the kind of, you know, and he's big, right? Like, and he's young. He's really young right now. I think he's like a year younger than a bunch of his other, like a bunch of other players his grade, something like that. So, you know, and he was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Like, this I is know. Not, like, so this is like the total package we're talking. Yeah. I mean, like, no, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do the superlatives as far as like comps yet, but just, you know, we, we're talking about a guy who could be extremely special. Um, and, you know, he, we, we probably won't see a lot of pass catching stuff. It's always going to be a part, you know, like just looking a year down the road. I'll put, everyone's it, I'll gonna, put a name. Uh, there's going to be, there's going to be some Jonathan Taylor comps. I, no, I, I, I think we're there, there's the Washington, yeah. the, the Wisconsin. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, you're going to hear Derek Henry comps too, you know, uh, just, He's really, really, really good. Really, really fun to watch. I don't think there's a big gap between him and Henderson right now. I, there's there's a long way to go, right? And that's why, for in my eyes, there's not a big gap is because there's a lot of projecting to do. There's a lot of development. There's a lot of path to go, right? Like you, If you're going to call big gaps now, you're going to be wrong because you know th- so many things change, right? But good players, investing good players. These are two really good players, bottom yeah. line, just, you know, you, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing a, you know, 1A, 1B kind of situation and who, you know, which one is the 1A on their draft class. I don't know. Um, depends on what you want. Maybe you've got pass catching, you know, more pass catching with Travion and people feel safer. But I, 
two really good players. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with either of them right now. No, not at all. And if we if we kind of close out the Debbie slant for this week with a couple of pass catchers and some big names here, I'll start with we mentioned the tight ends before. Brock Bowers of Georgia, you know, Dane Brugler last week said he's going to be regarded as maybe the best tight end prospect to ever come out, like, in since he's been doing this. Like, so that would put him, like, at the Kyle Pitts level, you know. So I'm intrigued by that. But I mentioned him because he's probably going to have very ho-hum statistics because that tight end room, if Gilbert plays and Darnell Washington is, is, mm-hmm. is an intriguing name and – they don't throw a ton and they like to run and they're going to be up big, but you know, so you're going to see games like that two for 38 and it might be a very quiet statistical year at times for him, but keep the, don't lose focus on how special of a talent he is. And then in terms of some receivers, the Ohio state duo that kind of was forced to play bigger role this past week with Smith and the Jigba going down, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, I'm probably going to say the last name wrong, Amika Obukpa, Ogupa. I'm not exactly sure I'm saying it right. Uh, nine catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown. I know I narrowed right away when I watched that game because of how good I thought uh, Ogupa was. I narrowed the gap where I had Harrison and Nat. Because, again, the Debbie, the Debbie rankings for me aren't guys that I've done deep dives on, especially yeah. the underclassmen. So, like, it's a little bit more what I've seen and, and watching games live and, and projecting in terms of – I think those guys, you know, are, are very close in terms of who could be that next great Ohio statewide receiver. And I, and I think what it showed me is, is I know that the Debbie community, myself included at times, has continued to leave the light on for Julian Fleming to become this mm-hmm. superstar. I'm just not sure he's going to rise when they have Smith and the Jigba there, Harrison – Agbukba, like these guys like are really so he could definitely emerge to be a productive player. Yeah. But I'm not sure he's gonna catapult to be what we once thought he was gonna be. He didn't in and, this game, right? It was what? it was they said he didn't in this game either, right? It was Harrison and Agbuka rising up. Yeah. And you know, so I, I just think it's gonna be one of those things that these guys got Harrison's pretty high up in most circles, but I think Agbukba has gotta move up. Uh, and then maybe maybe the Debbie community's got to just say, okay, we got to move Fleming down a little bit. And if he changes their mind, great, and shows us why he was that five star, major, major, you know, top level wide receiver recruit, sure, then we move him back up. But right now, it's been enough years into, you know, his his you know time there that he hasn't shown anything yet. Like he's not even on people's watch list. For mm-hmm. like draft eligible prospects, and he's draft eligible. Like mm-hmm. so, like you know, like there he's got he's got to now I think earn that ranking a little bit. And I know I'm going to move him down in my Debbie ranks when I do a little update. And it's okay if we see something this year. And it's not like three. It's not like three or four guys can't produce at Ohio State. They throw the ball enough that they can. Uh, but I but I think he's got to he's got to show me a little bit more because I think Harrison. And Agbukba, I got to learn how to say his last name. They're gonna they're gonna rise up and and continue to show that they're gonna be the next wave of elite Ohio State wide receivers that we we basically get to see every year. They have two or three high level guys. Any thoughts on any of the, the Bowers, the Ohio State duo, or anybody else from either position you want to bring up to round out the night? Yeah, I mean we're gonna be saying his name a lot, right? Just so just how we had to learn, uh, you know, Smith and Juba, and you know. A lot of other ones that we've butchered. I think uh, Roshan, right? Uh, his brother <laughs> reached out yep. to us about his, you know, his tape. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, 
why not both? Right. Cause I like them both. Um, it may not be a one or the other with Harrison or Ikbuka, but, um, why not both? It, it'll be a fun one to watch, you know, being an underclassman, you know, and I, I do selfishly hope Brock Bowers has a little bit of a quiet season just so I, I have more opportunities to kind of scoop them up a little bit in some places, but, um, it's Georgia, you know, like Georgia is not about the stats, right? You're, you're, you're about the traits. You get drafted off your traits. You're not necessarily going to have statistically gaudy seasons, especially as a pass catcher out of there. I mean, they, they're throwing the ball more. It, that's a storyline that I want to watch. Um, but yeah, yeah, JT Barrett, he, he was looking good, but, um, or sorry, sorry, Stetson Bennett uh, was looking pretty good, but, um, and throwing the ball more. That's great. Um, so maybe, but it's it's also Georgia. We'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. So that's you know, listen, week one I think lived up to the hype of like being a fun weekend of games, a fun weekend of you know prospects. I think there was a lot to talk about uh, from this weekend. There were so many other names that we didn't even you know get a chance to talk about. As somebody that roots for Florida State, I'm excited by their quarterback that they have there. That yeah, was he a was great good. Game. Yeah, Travis. Really yeah, that was a really fun game. They might finally have, you know, solved the quarterback riddle there, and maybe that is what they need to kind of turn turn things back around there and start getting back on the men because college football is more fun when the Seminoles are are a big time program as well. And I was we'll trying to watch Booty, and there. I kept I kept going back to like you know I was like I will I'm not skipping through this Florida State um, <laughs> you know offensive possession. Travis was really good. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, there's that's good. There's good signs there. Yeah, so for sure. So I think I think uh, I think Mike Norvell, you know, third year, maybe you know, coming from Memphis, maybe yeah. finally uh, is going to turn around that Knowles program, and it would be great to kind of see uh, them get back into the thick of things. Maybe not. They've it's also take some I mean, more we're time, off the rails but. here, but they've they've also got some good wide receiver. But the, they have a freshman uh, defensive lineman who was just reeking havoc in the backfield there too. Um, oh yeah, and then uh, number five. Uh, and then they also name, but... they also got a transfer from Albany of all places here in upstate New York. That I don't know how he you know wasn't recruited, and he had like two sacks yesterday. The first yeah. uh, the first extra point block was him. Uh, so so they got some players there. So hopefully the Knowles are turning things around there. But it was a great weekend of college football. Fun for people like you and me, you know, who love this stuff in terms of just. The sport in general, the games in general, but then also from the evaluation standpoint to kind of kick off this next, you know, journey to April of 2023. And there was a lot, a lot to digest from week one. So on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano and myself, thank you for joining us. And we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.